Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Star Wars Bookworms. Enjoy. Even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera. Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber. So, Teresa, today is a very special day. Hmm. Did you know this? My birthday? Just kidding. It's not my birthday. Nope. Not your birthday. Your birthday. No. Just kidding. Not your birthday either. Although it's kind of related to my birth, in a way. How? Other than the year. Well. That's not the same thing. It's a big, I mean, it's a big thing. I was born the same the year same as the Star Wars movie was released. That's a, I mean, I think it's cool. 1980. I was born in 1980. Empire Strikes Back came out in 1980. So I'm like, I'm a Star Wars baby. Okay. I think it's special <laughs> and you can't take it from me. Okay. But today is the actual anniversary, the 40th anniversary. Which means I'm 40. Well, Ugh. then that must mean you're 40. Yeah. <laughs> Ta-da! So, yeah, 40th anniversary, Empire Strikes Back. That's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Did you do anything it... to celebrate the event? Uh, I mean, not really celebrate, per se. I've, I know people are probably watching Empire Strikes Back and stuff like that, but it's not my favorite movie. It's actually at the bottom of my list, so I don't really feel the need to watch it. But I do have the one of the three new Starbucks mugs that they released in conjunction with uh, the Disney parks because they have those, you know, the parks mugs. And they're doing a Star Wars series, and they released three, Hawk, Bespin, and Dagobah. And I did buy them all but they were on back order and the Hoth one arrived yesterday actually. So I had a latte in my Hoth mug this morning and I posted a picture and a video about it. Ah, these were kind of a surprise to me because I hadn't heard anything about them coming. And then I had seen somebody had posted one, I think it was like months ago that I guess was like a yeah. leak. And yeah, they, I thought it was like fan made. Maybe I was like, oh, you know, they're not going to do that because it's not a real place. Um, then I was happy to find out that they were real. And I kind of stopped collecting the the Starbucks like you are here or whatever. They keep changing the name of them. But those mugs like I have all the Disney ones, but I kind of stopped collecting them otherwise. Funny. They keep changing the name of them. They do, right? They, like, I have a New well, York no. one right here, and it says on the bottom, it says, you are here, but then the other ones are called, what are the current ones called? They're called the Been There. Been, been there, there series. So, yeah, so there it's like two, the same there's... idea, and the mugs are the exact same shape. Yeah, it's, they're two different series, though. So, right. there's the You Are Here series, which was that very modern art, kind of blocky sort of style. That's actually my favorite. I really like the You Are Here series. So I got all the different parts from that one. And then they decided to end that line and they created the Been There series, which has more of like a sketch kind of design. So it looks like it's been drawn on and sketched with like a pencil. And so that's what these are. But yeah, they announced them several months ago that they were coming for May the 4th. Okay. Uh, the Disney Parks blog announced them and that there was going to be three of them. 
uh, and they were going to coincide with the May the 4th and the Empire Strikes Back. So so other than that, I don't know. I really want the Bespin one to come in because the design on the outside is uh, white, obviously, and then purple is the print on it, and the inside lining of the mug is pink. And so I'm like, hey, a Teresa mug. <laughs> yeah, but, I think... No, I'm... I love these mugs. They're my favorite. These are the only mugs I use. And since I'm home basically 24 hours a day, every day, I drink a lot of coffee. <laughs> so I use them all. Yeah, that's pretty much the same for me. I have a number of the, that style um, of mugs from Starbucks. And I so that's kind of all I use to drink coffee. Like right now, like I said, I have one on my desk from New York. But I really like the design of these three. I want to get them eventually. They're like all sold out right now, but mm -hmm. I will break my rule because I had a rule that I wasn't going to buy any more of these because I had too many, but I'll break my rule. I'll get these three. I hope they come back in stock. But yeah, no, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're going to be in the Disney parks at some point whenever the Disney parks open again. Right, yeah. In like 2025. <laughs> <laughs> ah, they'll be open this year. Mark my words. Not in full capacity, they won't guarantee no, you that. not full capacity, but they'll open the parks before the end of the year. Um, December 31st. <laughs> I'm going to guess... I'm going to guess August for Ooh, Florida. I don't know. I have, I have friends that work there, so they've been kind of leaving little tidbits, but I don't want to say anything just because I don't want anybody to get attached to the idea. Uh, so, yeah, so we'll just see. Yeah, I don't know. I do miss it though. What? Okay, before we move on, what's mm -hmm. the one thing from the Disney parks that you miss the most right now? Hmm. Because I know what mine is, but I was curious. I don't know if there's. I don't know. It's hard for me to say, just because for me, going to Disney is about the the whole thing. You know, it's just that. I think it's the the. Um, that kind of overall like feeling of being at Disney. That's kind of what I want again, if that makes any sense. It does, but that's kind of a cop out. It is kind uh, of a cop out, I, but I don't really have a specific thing. Just pick something. So I miss Dole Whips. Yeah, yep. but you can do, I miss I miss walking up to no, 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 no. I miss going up to the thing getting my Dole Whip with my little spoon in my little cup, going to the wall right outside of the Tiki Room, putting my cup there and eating it and watching people. Like, I miss the my my Dole Whip experience of what I do every time I get one. <laughs> That's what I miss. All right, I'll say one thing. I miss okay. walking down Main Street at Magic Kingdom at night. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yep, that's mine. That's a good one. All right. Okay. Anyway, so, so back to Star Wars books. Yay. There's a Poe Dameron book coming in August. There is? Poe Dameron Freefall, What's which is going to be a, a, a YA novel. Just coming from, I love YA. Which is coming from Disney, uh, Disney Press. And they actually did just release, I think it was on Tuesday, uh, IGN got the exclusive on this, but they had a short interview with the author, and then they also did a uh, release of the first chapter. So, mm. 
which I read. I know you don't like to read the excerpts nope. when they release them early, but I mean, it's the first chapter, so it's not like spoilers, but I, I read can't it. know. Still, we have this argument every time because it's usually just the first chapter. I don't care. That's the first introduction to the book. Nope. Yeah, but so is like the the publisher summary is giving away just as much, if not more, than the first chapter is giving away. I don't read publisher summaries until we do them on the show. Really? Yeah, really. Yeah. Well, I like to get a little bit of a preview. Um, so, spoiler alert, since you haven't read it. Ah, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. He's 16. Oh, God. At the beginning of this book. Oh, 16? So, I think that's oh, probably something that had already... Teenage... Teenage me is very excited. Yeah, right. You're you're rewinding <laughs> like, in your brain. I re- I'm regressing. <laughs> regressing to when I was sixteen year old Teresa is gonna be the one who's reading this novel. But so the the short little interview was kind of cool. Um, there was he he gave a couple quotes. Um, who's he? We haven't even said who the author Alex is. Alex Segura. Yeah, I know. It's so exciting. So, <laughs> do you know his stuff? No, he's just a person of color. That's fun. Okay. Well, um, do you want to read the the quote there? Sure. Okay. So this is what he had to say about Poe Dameron as a character. He said, I love the complexities of the character. He's charming, a bit of a scoundrel, not afraid to bend the rules, but he's also driven by loyalty and legacy and friendship. He's a hero, but in a world where there is absolute good and absolute evil, Poe is a bit gray. Characters like that really appeal to me as a writer because we get to experience their struggles on the page and it creates a lot of compelling moments. And I like a thousand percent agree with him about characters that are not just all good or all bad. They're somewhere in the middle and dealing with that struggle. You know who's a really good character for that? As an example? Boba Fett. No. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Ray. Ray. You want to keep it Star I, Wars? Yeah. Yeah. But the reason I say Harry Potter is because throughout that we see a real, I mean, he has some really challenging times where he is kind of gray. He doesn't really know where he belongs, but he knows that he wants to be good, you know? So, right. and it's ultimately all about his choices. So. I, was, I think you just described Ray as well. Yes, but I was thinking. Realizing Harry. there's more parallels to to Harry and Ray than I remembered. <laughs> this is uh, I'm excited for this one. I'm not typically as excited about the YA novels as you are. I like Poe as a character though, and I think there's some some mystery still behind kind of his past that the Rise of Skywalker introduced. Mm-hmm. So I think this this novel will probably dive into that stuff a little bit. Yeah, so we are going to review a couple things today, although it's not quite what we were planning. We were planning to do kind of a little bit more of a full review of the Rise of Skywalker Expanded Edition, the novel. Mm -hmm. Um, Once we got into it a little bit, we were kind of realizing why we don't typically do reviews of novelizations for the movies, because it's the same story and, you know, you can kind of point out the differences, but this one didn't really have as much as I expected, especially with the title being called an expanded edition, I thought maybe there would be way more that it expanded on. And it felt like they threw in a few deleted scenes, but really overall the story was pretty much the exact same as the movie. Mm -hmm. So not too much for us to dive into, 
So we're not going to really do a big full review of it, but we'll talk about it a little bit um, and point out a couple of things that I thought were interesting as I was reading. I think I got further into it than you did. Um, although I didn't quite finish it, but I will, I'll finish it even though I'm not, I typically don't actually, I know that's kind of blasphemy probably for someone who's supposed to be, you know, someone who reads all the books. I skip the novelizations a lot of times just because I just don't like to read stories I already know. I do too. I skip them too. However, I will say, I mean, well, I will get into it as we talk about it because I did listen to the audiobook, which I knew you didn't do. So I'm listening to it. So I can give a small review on that. Okay. Well, what I've listened to so far. jump right into it. And as a bonus, we're going to talk about a comic too, because I know with the transition of the show and talking about, we're going to kind of focus more on the novels than the comics. Um, we actually are going to review a comic from time to time probably. And so since mm-hmm. we were cutting this novel review short, we figured we didn't want to leave you guys hanging with not enough content. So we actually read a comic and we're going to review that too. So we're going to review the uh, Age of Resistance Heroes uh, trade paperback. So we'll be talking about that a little bit after we talk about the Rise of Skywalker Expanded Edition. Yep. All right. So this was Delray Books. Author is Ray Carson. Released March 17th, 2020. And... The publisher's summary is, Witness the epic final chapter of the Skywalker saga with the official novelization of Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, including expanded scenes and additional content not seen in theaters. The Resistance has been reborn. The spark of rebellion is rekindling across the galaxy. But although Rey and her fellow heroes are back in the fight, the war against the First Order, now led by Supreme Leader Kylo Ren, is far from over. Ray, Finn, Poe, and, resist- and the Resistance must embark on the most perilous adventure they have ever faced. And this time, they're facing it together. With the help of old friends, new allies, and the mysterious guidance of the Force, the story that began in Star Wars The Force Awakens and continued in Star Wars The Last Jedi reaches an astounding conclusion. So, audiobook. Yes. So the audiobook is read by Mark Thompson, and as we've talked about before, sometimes his female voices can be a little weird, but I think he did a pretty good job. I still think he has a little bit of trouble with Ray of because she comes out a little bit breathy and not as strong of a voice as I feel like Daisy Ridley has. But overall, I think he does really good with the character and getting her across. I think he does a great job with Leia in this particular book from uh, what I've listened to so far. And honestly, like I've read, I don't know, maybe about half, but the scene and it's the scene that still sticks out in the movie sticks out in my mind from the audio book is the scene between Poe and Ray about the ship, about BB-8 and all that stuff. It's just as good in the audio book as it is in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's pretty good. I was like, I can picture all of it right now. So, yeah. So, overall, really good. Obviously, really well done production quality. I think Mark Thompson does a good job with reading it and making the story interesting, even though I've already seen the movie and know the story, which is kind of hard to do, which is why I don't really read these. And it's a pretty short novelization. So yeah. For people that read fast and you just, you know, if you're curious, you just, you can knock out a book really quick. I'm not a super fast reader, but 
for a suit for someone who is this book you could probably knock this thing out in like two days um or even a day if you really wanted to if you had the extra time but um i was surprised almost at how short it was yeah i 200 and something page i don't think it cracks 300 pages yeah it's pretty short and for someone like me that does read fast it i could probably read this very very quickly i just i normally (laughs) it's so weird i read books or i listen to books when i'm driving i think i've driven my car like three times (laughs) in the past like two and a half months so that makes it a little bit more difficult yeah that's impacted me too because i i was doing more of the audiobooks as well to take advantage of my commute and now Mm -hmm. that i don't have a commute i don't find myself reading as many uh, books because I was doing a lot of audio. So with these last couple ones that we've read, I've done just regular, you know, I, I'm not even supplementing them necessarily with audio like I used to. I'm kind of just reading just the just the novel itself. So it's different. Definitely. Different. It is different. That is for sure. So one of the things that did stick out to me in this book was there was a scene that was kind of highlighted in the art of book and had kind of made the the rounds on the web when some of the art from this movie started to come out. And it was like, oh, this is a scene that didn't happen, but it's kind of weird. And it was like this, the whole idea of the eye of the webbish bog, guardian mm-hmm. of the wayfinder, the this kind of like creature that lives on another creature inside this bog. Yeah, on Mustafar. Yeah, and like they do have, you know, I mean, you, you read that part too, and they do I have did. that. It feels like a deleted scene, essentially, um, that's in this book. I'm kind of, like, cool with the fact that that never made it into the movie. I feel like that would have been hard to visualize without seeming, like, over-the-top bizarre. Yeah, and you know what? That scene kind of reminds me of... I mean, I feel like it's been in most fantasy novels or even movies where it's, like, the truly worthy will be able to pull this out of the hat, you know? Or pull the sword out of the stone or whatever. Yeah. You know, and so is he worthy enough to be able to retrieve the wayfinder? And or or like in Marvel, the soul stone, you know, can you get the soul stone? That kind of thing. You must make a sacrifice. That's kind of what it reminded me of. (laughs) And I was like, huh. Yeah, okay. it does. It does kind of have the an epic fantasy kind of feel to it. It's something that you would see, maybe in Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter, even. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was really interesting. I am glad it didn't end up in the movie because I feel like it would be weird. But for a book, I think it was good. Yeah, and it didn't. It just felt because I had already seen the movie, and there was this whole extra scene. I was like, okay, this is this is weird. Um, and they kind of they say something about the the wayfinder was actually that specific wayfinder actually belonged to vader which was kind of new news that wasn't you know revealed in the movie so they were definitely dropping some new information on us in this novel although they didn't necessarily expound upon it too much they did drop some of these details Mm -hmm. um we do know that now confirmed although a lot of people assumed that palpatine was in a clone body you know it wasn't like his, his body somehow survived the you know the explosion of the death star so it was good to have that confirmed they did say that the mechanical harness that's holding him up 
in the movie mm-hmm. is actually called the Amen Harness. Yes, I which, did read that. Which I thought that was kind of cool because that's actually a like a really deep cut reference to an old Sith from like Legends, but like way back yes. Legends. Like way, 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 like before Darth Bane Legends. Right, and I remember, Wait. I remember like looking at it and seeing the name and thinking that sounds like something I've read before. So I quick Googled it, and sure enough, it came up as as a character who had who had appeared in some old, um, you know, legend stuff from yes. a long time ago. So I was like, oh, that's that. I like that they, you know, like they gave it an official name and it has a nice little reference like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the I don't know. I, I, I'm going to keep going down my list. If you have anything, feel yeah, free sure, to, sure, sure. to pop in. Um, the One of the things I thought was interesting was the reveal of why Leia wasn't able to communicate or wasn't able to get the message out when she asked yeah. for help in The Last Jedi. And you kind of assume if you watch the movie um, The Last Jedi, you're kind of like, oh, man, like nobody responded. Like this is kind of crazy. And then they reveal right. in the novel that it wasn't necessarily that people weren't responding. It was like a lot of the message that she sent out never even reached anyone. Like it got blocked. Right. So that was right. kind of a cool detail, I thought. And I was actually really glad when I read that part because I'm like, okay, well, that makes a heck of a lot more sense. Because it was really disheartening to think, oh, she's going to send out this message and as if she doesn't have friends all across the galaxy or people that would rally to the cause. Because I think that's kind of like BS, you know? So that was a good little bit of detail that I that I enjoyed that they talked about that they just hadn't even gotten that. And you know, okay, so here there's another another scene that I really enjoyed. We get a little bit of it in the movie, but not as much when Leia is training Ray. There's a lot more detail in that scene than what we see. We kind of see her just saying you know be with me be with me and trying to get the jedi from the past to talk to her and she gets frustrated and then she takes off and runs the course right well in the book we get a lot more dialogue between ray and leia which i really enjoy to where ray is asking all kinds of questions and you know just just pushing and pushing and pushing on leia and leia being able to i don't know like just have patience and sort of answer her questions while not all not really answering them you know and she also reflects on her time as a padawan with luke and she talks about that and leia goes into talking about how you know how and why she decided not to continue with her jedi training and she also talks about her lightsaber so it's kind of like all these things and we sort of get little bits and pieces of that throughout the movie but we don't get all of it in a way in this the way that Leia talks about it in this scene. So that was something that I did really enjoy. I would have liked to have actually seen that, but I could see how in an, from an editor's perspective it would have just been like fluff. Right. Yeah, I and there was there were a lot of or maybe not a lot, but there were a couple other scenes in the book that added to stuff with Leia, which I liked. <laughs> They got into a little bit more detail about kind of her training with Luke. Mm-hmm. Um, they they briefly, you know, kind of say in the movie what happened there and the scene where you see them kind of fighting each other. And then she she felt what was going to happen, you know, to to Ben. And then she decides to not go down that path. But the book gets into a little bit more detail about all of that and kind of the extent mm-hmm. of the training that she went through. 
And so I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. And I mean, speaking about Leia, also her, her death in the movie versus in the book. Well, it is, I mean, essentially the same. It is a little bit different from what they, you know, what they portray. Like in the movie, it's like, she just sort of, she can feel it. She can sense that she's done what she needed to do for Ben. And then she just, you know, absorbs into the force. Right. Well, in this one, it's all in the book. It's like Luke essentially is like calling her saying, Hey, you know, it's time. And she also has like a small connection with R2D2 before she goes, which of course that's going to be hard to show in a movie. Right. But, but it is, it is good to read those little things. Yeah. And it give I like that scene a lot. And it, I, it gave Luke a little bit more to do. And that, that dialogue back and forth between Luke and Leia kind of through the force was really cool. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, once again, probably would have been tough to really show that in, in the movie and not have it be a little weird. But in the book, it works perfectly. But the thing I thought was interesting was in the dialogue from Leia, she was talking about, you know, passing down her legacy. I forget the exact word she used. She might have said legacy, but she used like three different, you know, names that she was passing down. And it was Skywalker, Solo and Organa. And mm-hmm. She said she was passing Skywalker to Ray, um, Organa to Poe, mm-hmm. and then trying to pass Solo to Ben. And I thought that was really interesting because that's pretty early in the book to yeah. say something like that um, to kind of tip off the whole Ray Skywalker thing. Because you kind of in the movie, you're not really sure until the very end where she calls herself Ray Skywalker, and you're like, okay, she's kind of adopting that name and officially part of that family. But in in this scene here in the novel, which is only like halfway through, they're kind of already saying that Ray is passing on or Leia is passing on the name Skywalker to Ray. Yeah, and I think that that's really cool to set up because it makes more sense for the end. I do actually like that she wants to pass on the name of Organa to Poe because I think it's fitting. I really do think now he does lack a little bit of the finesse of an Organa in the political realm. I think he could use a little bit of some standing out on the edges if he was to go that route. But I think he definitely embodies that family. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we did get a little bit more, or we got a scene with like Kylo and Chewbacca mm. in him kind of interrogating Chewbacca. And he actually remembered his childhood of him mm-hmm. being a kid and Chewbacca taking care of him. And I thought that was, that was really cool because I think that sometimes we kind of forget that, you know, that Ben was, you know, he was a child, like growing up with the solos and like, and Chewbacca. And so they're, the, the loss that, you know, Leia's feeling or like Han or these other characters, like Chewbacca's feeling that same loss in this, you know, this kid that he has, that he saw, you know, go and turn on his family. So it was kind of getting that scene where you see him thinking back to his childhood and Chewbacca and calling him like Uncle Chewie or whatever. I was like, oh, yeah, that's well, like I mean, really sad. I mean, Chewie essentially leaves everything and everything he knows and his whole entire family for this other family. 
you know i mean he and he ends up being there with all of these humans and not around other wookies and that little boy is probably his like surrogate son right you know so i think it would be natural for chewie to be really devastated by losing then to becoming kylo ren and that kind of thing and i don't think people really think about that i don't really i don't think they think about chewbacca as you know having more than maybe just simplistic animal feelings but i mean he's a true sentient being yeah i almost wish that the movies would have done in one of any of the 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 sequel movies some sort of a scene with kylo where there would have been a connection with chewbacca yeah something a little bit more to kind of remind people of that because i do think that's something that although i i do believe the extra materials have done pretty good about it the novels and comics and things like that i don't i think the movies almost want you to forget that that there is that connection yeah and i mean even lando lando was involved in his life as well i mean isn't it's in the one of the books where han is babysitting the babysitting ben and lando's there you know and babysitting what's his kid but you know like he was (laughs) taking care of him and you know ben's crawling around and you know coming after lando and you know it's just this really cute moment and you know so all these people were involved in in ben's life and just to it's a big loss when you lose somebody that way they're still alive but they're standing on the other side of the fence from you, you know, like that's, that's, that's hard. One character that did get a little bit more screen time, quote unquote screen time in this is Zori. They did get into a little bit more about her specific crew that she was working with. You actually got scenes where she's going back to her crew when they're trying to, she's talking about trying to get off the planet and you know, they they're not just background characters like named characters with lines and they're kind of talking back and forth to her and you even get a scene where one of you know one of her close crew members gets killed by one of the knights of ren and she sees Mm it um and that kind of thing where you know you really don't get that at all in the movie you know you get some zori stuff but you definitely don't ever see anyone from her crew other than babu (laughs) babu frick so yeah, I thought that was, I thought that was interesting. I wonder if you know if this, how much of that was just them trying to expand on her and put it in the novel, or maybe some of that was, you know, early script stuff that was going to be in the movie and ended up getting cut. Mm-hmm. Well, definitely, and plus we talk, kind of have talked about it in different places about them just introducing more and more characters in the films, but not really giving any backstory to any of these characters. They're just sort of there. It's like, okay, here's Zori, enjoy. But we don't really know anything, and you get like little little, tiny bits and pieces. So I do like when they do expand on those those characters because then it doesn't feel so forced that they kind of like threw them in the movie, you know? Yeah, kind of like Pride. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He kind of just shows up out of nowhere in this movie, and you really don't know, you know, they, you know, they kind of talk a little bit about him serving. Palpatine in the old wars and that's about as much backstory as we get on the guy so and I 
you know, can't say if I, you know, I don't know if they expand on him in the novel because maybe I just didn't get to that part yet. But um, so far, in, as far as I've gotten, they haven't really expanded on him. Yeah, it's kind of like in The Last Jedi, you and I both really liked that one commander or general or whatever that was on the ship that they bombed. And oh, he Captain was there Kennedy. for like, yeah. yeah I need a Captain there. Kennedy novel. <laughs> yes, he was there for like two seconds. Love that but guy. it was so good. Oh, I love that guy. Yeah. Um, is it, were there anything out? Uh, there was one other thing I wanted to bring up, kind of the big scene that I thought yeah, was interesting, but I didn't know if there was anything else you had. Uh, no, I'm good. Okay. So last thing. And I thought, because it's, you know, it's one of the controversial things. So I, although I didn't finish the novel and I wasn't quite there yet, I skipped ahead because I wanted to okay. see what, how they handled the scene. Um, uh, so the kiss at the end. Yes. I was curious to Can see I how they Can I say something it. really quick? Yeah. I was going to say something really quick about that. When I first saw it in the media theater the first couple of times, I was like, ugh, I, didn't, I don't want this. This is weird. I don't like it. I don't – it just – it's not for me, okay? Mm -hmm. Then I watched – when it came out on digital and I was able to watch it here at home, I watched it. And it didn't bother me as much anymore. I don't know why. So I just want to say that 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 particular scene has shifted a little bit for me. That it doesn't bother me anymore, but it did before. I think that's very natural reaction um, for things that kind of initially surprise you or bother you. And then over time, you kind of get more used to it and come around on it. Mm -hmm. I think that I'm kind of the same way. I I haven't honestly I haven't sat down. This make this is gonna make me sound like a really bad Star Wars fan. I haven't sat down and watched the entire movie of Rise of Skywalker since it's been out on digital. I've watched parts of it. I've watched a lot of it, mm -hmm. you know, and I've watched certain scenes that I really like. But I haven't sat down and watched it from beginning to end. So I don't. I haven't had like that scene was just kind of like roll roll your eyes for me. Like I was just like. Mm -hmm. eh. Felt a little fan servicey. I didn't really think it was necessary, and I didn't. I was just like, okay, I don't know what they're trying to say here because they never. I never felt like there was that like whole romantic connection between these two characters. But, um, so that's why I thought like what they say in the novel was kind of interesting because I was curious. Uh, well, first off, I'll, I'll rewind a little bit because I look. I also went to the scene where Ray initially kills Kylo on the on the wreckage of the Death Star. Mm -hmm. and there's this, a part where she describes him looking at her after he's stabbed her or after she stabbed him mm -hmm. and he's looking at her and she says she's trying to describe the look in his eyes and one of the things she said was almost questioning it was like this this and longing like am i seeing longing in his eyes but it wasn't like a understanding of like oh he's longing for me because we have this connection that we both understand it was like a surprise like oh is he longing for me so that was one thing that was in the novel. And then when it got to the end where she, uh, where he ultimately gives his life force to save her and, um, and they kiss, she says the way she describes it. Oh, let me, let me put it. You should probably book. just read it. Well, I don't have it up and I, I don't have the book close enough to me, but basically she's, she uses the word a kiss of gratitude. 
which I thought was interesting because it's definitely not a, there was never, when I read through the Cassine, there wasn't any romantic or even like passionate feeling as you're reading through that scene. It was very much like it was a kiss of gratitude to recognize their connection and their, them being a dyad. And that was it. They left it at that. It was very short. And I was just and like, you know what I hmm. actually and I haven't read that part, obviously, but I actually really like that. I like that a lot. And it actually makes the scene. Oh, it makes the scene work because really that's what's going on here. You know, is they're having this struggle between the two of them of being this dyad in the force and of trying to understand what their relationship is to each other within the force not necessarily like a romantic relationship but you know how is this supposed to work because obviously there is this connection and Ray's, of course never wants to to kill anyone but she's trying to get her point across and showing the skill of being able to use your life force to help others thus teaching him about this skill and then it comes full circle and there's they've saved each other and I think that that specifically of a kiss of gratitude and understanding makes so much sense. And I don't know about you, but I can think about times in my life where, you know, maybe it wasn't like a kiss of gratitude, for example, but there was definitely, you know, a physical exertion of those feelings. You know what I mean? Of like not romantic at all, but like very much a you are here for me, I am here for you kind of thing. Right. And yeah. so and so for two people that are so, so connected to each other, I can see that. So I found it. It's okay. on page two thirty eight, and I'll just read exactly what it says, so I'm not misrepresenting it. It says a kiss of gratitude, acknowledgement of their connection celebration that they'd found each other at last that's it mm -hmm. that's how it's described so well i think it's good because they it, they are there's they celebrating the fact that then that ray has found ben and ben has come come out of his kylo renness to find her and to really understand each other and what they mean to each other and how this is supposed to be moving forward Right. And that there was a purpose for all of it. Yeah. And so and I, I'm fine with the way it was described. You know, it doesn't, doesn't add or take away anything for me for it. Um, it does make sense to me the way it's described. Yeah. You know, if, if yeah. I'm looking at, it makes more sense actually than if you were interpreting it as this very romantic, passionate kiss. That doesn't make as much sense to me based on what we got in the movies. But yep. the way it's described in the book it does, does actually make sense to me. So. I like, and I like that a lot. Um, now I know, I know when the book came out, there was some uproar over that, I believe, uh, from certain aspects of fandom, which I understand, but mm -hmm. I think that this fits with the narrative that they were trying to tell. Right. Um, and then the last thing I'll say is just kind of one of the things I picked up on throughout the book, and I had talked about it in our review of the movie, and how um, Ben kind of the difference between Kylo and Ben and almost like they're two separate characters and almost like he was like possessed. Um, and then he kind of broke free from it. 
And the novel actually has a lot of scenes where they kind of describe the voices in his head. And they always mm. use Palpatine's voice whenever they're talking about that or Snoke's voice. And you hear those voices kind of speaking to him. So he, when, when Ray gave his, her life, um, her life force to, to save him on the wreckage of the Death Star, he is thinking through, like, I can't believe she did that. Like, that's such a kind gesture. And like, and I was told this, you know, people wouldn't act like that toward me and I could never, you know, I would never be accepted. And then you hear Palpatine's voice in his head. And so I thought that was, I, I actually liked that thinking of, he was almost, you know, he, he, he was trying to break away from the dark side and he had been lied to for so long that he had bought into, like his family didn't love him anymore. Nobody would ever help him. And even if he went back to them, they wouldn't accept him. And then Ray and Leia and Han and all these, you know, things that happen all prove them wrong. And it kind of breaks Kylo free from that so he can become Ben again. And I did think the novel did a, a good job of portraying that where the movie couldn't necessarily do that. So I like that. Yeah. Well, it's just another, this is another thing that proves that in general books are better than movies. <laughs> I know we just, we just talked about how Which, we weren't going to do a full review, but I feel like we're kind of doing we it. Did. <laughs> well, but you know, books are better than movies because there's so much more room for them to expand and to get into characters heads and to be able to tell the story that's really trying to be told. But here's my problem. If your story is supposed to be a movie and the novelization does a better job of explaining the story than the movie does, that's a problem. Because if it's supposed to be a movie telling the story, the movie should be able to do that and to make all those connections. And it shouldn't be the book that's doing it. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I I get what you're saying. I, I'm maybe not as harsh on a movie about that. Like I think a novel just, it's a, just a different medium and you can have exposition and backstory and explanation way more in a novel uh, than you can in a movie Absolutely. And, and stuff's got to get cut out. And I think I didn't look at, I wasn't watching rise of Skywalker and thinking, you know, Oh, you know, general pride shows up or this thing or Palpatine came out of nowhere. None of that bothered me because it was kind of like some of that stuff you just have to fill in for yourself. And that's how movies are presented and then books are presented differently and they're right. kind of hard so that, to compare. Well, that's the reason I'm saying like if it's a story that's made for a movie, that's typically why I'm not going to read the novelization of that movie hmm. because because of that exact reason, you know, uh, but but if it's a book that gets turned into a movie, it's different, obviously, because the story was written for the book medium with all of this stuff in it. And then it's the film go filmmaker's job to translate that into the movie versus the other way around. It's just a very different situation. Right. You know, if it was supposed to be told as a book, I'm going to read the book and then see the movie. But if it's the other way around, I feel like reading the novelizations does not help the movie, you know? Yeah. It and doesn't help. It's the opposite. So I'll say this. I think I, I'm glad I read it, mostly read it, but I will finish. I'm almost done. I'm glad I read it, but if I hadn't read it, I don't think I would have been missing too much. Yeah. It definitely, it did add some cool stuff that I didn't know. Um, but overall, you know, my 
time is so precious, <laughs> like when I'm trying to decide what I'm going to read and what I'm not going to read, and I'm already so behind on a lot of the comics and stuff, that I could have not read this and you know set it aside and read like you know a bunch of trade paperbacks of the comics that I'm behind on, and I would have been completely fine with that decision. Mm-hmm. But it's not a bad book. It's I thought it was fine. It didn't add ton, a ton to the movie like some of the other novelizations. If you're thinking like maybe Revenge of the Sith or some of the, some of those novelizations where they just add like layers and layers and layers. This this added a few deleted scenes essentially, but for the most part it just covers the same story. Right. It's kind of my review. I would agree. So we did spend more time on that than I thought we were going to. We did. Which is cool. Um but we did say we were going to review this comic, so I don't want to not do that. So let's jump into it. We can we don't have to spend a ton of time on it, but I, I, you know, yeah. I think it'd be kind of cool just to kind of flip through the different, the different comics um, that this one gathers, and kind of give our quick sure. thoughts. So this is Age of the Resistance Heroes. The publisher is Marvel. Writer is Tom Taylor, and the artist is Ramon Rosanas. It was released November twenty sixth of twenty nineteen, and the publisher's summary is. Explore untold tales of the greatest heroes of the Resistance. Finn starts to question the First Order as he is put on infestation control on Starkiller Base. Poe Dameron fancies himself the best pilot there is, but after a New Republic protocol droid is stolen, he may just meet his better, trapped in an asteroid field. Poe will have to learn a thing or two from this mysterious pilot if he wants to survive. Ray, Chewie, and R2-D2 start their journey to find Luke Skywalker, but mechanical issues force them to land on the junkyard planet, the Necropolis. Plus, Rose, Tico, Admiral Holdo, Maz Kanata, and BB-8. Why? Even in the publisher summary, Rose gets the shaft. They don't even tell her, give her story a summary in, like, a sentence. <laughs> what the heck? They're, well, they're folk... So, the, the initial... So how it's like five issues, right? So we get we get Finn, Poe, Ray, Rose get the main four, and then the fifth issue is kind of a collection of stories about the other three characters. Yeah. So I mean, I love Rose. I'm nothing against Rose, but I mean, if you're talking about the three main characters of the movie, Ro- like that's not Rose. That's Finn, Ray, and Poe. So, okay. Yeah. Except for in get this top comic. Billing. Yeah, but in this comic, Ray's story is the weakest of all of them. Yeah, it that's that's so, probably true, but if it it's is a, a weak comic issue. If it's a publisher summary and they want people to buy I, this, they're going to drop point, the names. Oh, that, that's fine. I just don't like it. I cannot yeah. like it. That's fine. No, you're right. You I'm not saying it's fair. I'm just saying that's kind of how that's probably why. But It's not about being fair. It's about the fact that I don't like it. <laughs> um so first issue is finn we'll just go in his order was pretty good his was pretty good i did like the art style i thought it was great that he burned his boss <laughs> his I boss also, was kind of cool looking yeah his boss was kind of cool looking kind of reminded me of the rock uh but yeah this one was good i did enjoy it i also <laughs> There's some comedic scenes in this one. Like he stands at attention with a mop and it's like dripping on him. (laughs) (laughs) Funny. (laughs) Yeah. My quick review of that one is when I first started reading it, I was a little disappointed. He's doing the whole mop thing. And I'm like, oh, they're doing the whole janitor Finn, which we got an adventure story that kind of did that Mm -hmm. riff. 
And so I was like, okay, you know, it didn't seem as original. Uh, as the story started going on, I started to enjoy it. I was laughing at the different scenes. I liked some of the characters they introduced. Um, as a Doctor Who fan, there's a constant thing that Doctor Who does <laughs> where they introduce uh, either an alien or something that you think is bad, but then it turns out that they're not really bad because we were, you know, we were on their land or we were, on, you know, we were invading something or they're just protecting themselves. That's like such an overdone trope in Doctor Who. And then this story went that way too. So I was kind of like, eh, I kind of saw it coming that these bad mm -hmm. things weren't actually going to be bad. But overall, I actually really liked the story. I thought it was fun. And I like Finn a lot. Yeah, it was a fun one. Yeah. Poe Dameron's, the art was awesome. I love the art. The story, mm, it's okay. It wasn't anything to write home about. It was a little confusing sometimes because it was kind of hard. They were in ships most of the time, so it was a little hard to, to tell who was saying what. But I like the art. Yeah, I liked it because I like that you get a glimpse into kind of what Poe was doing before he joined the Resistance. And yes. some of the, the references to this squadron that he's a part of. Um, you know, there was, a, there was a book that came out right before uh, The Force Awakens that I'm blanking on the name of that book now. But they Resistance had... Reborn. No, before The Force Awakens. Um Oh. Before the Awakening is what it was called. Before and, the Awakening. Yep. Yeah. And they had a story it's with Poe right in this, in this squadron. So, yep. so I thought that was kind of a cool connection. And some of the some of the characters that he knows here become part of the resistance. And, you know, so I, I like that. And then, you know, him, I guess, you know, him kind of meeting Admiral Holdo, but not really. So, right. But I liked it. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah. Uh, so the the Rose Tico one, I like this one. Again, all of these are very quick, easy reads, and there's not a whole lot to them. There's not a lot of depth here. But this is basically kind of talking about her origins and being a part of the Resistance and her and her sister Paige and how, how they end up where they end up. Mm. And... I thought it was kind of cool just to sort of know that backstory. I don't know if it was necessary, but it was definitely, it was interesting, you know, just to kind of understand, understand the difference between the two sisters. They made it pretty clear right at the beginning. And uh, yeah. Yeah. I like this one a lot actually. And I like, I, I just like learning more about these characters. So I thought it was cool to see the details of how they joined and their family and how they, you know, their planet was, destroyed like so many other planets for their resources and yeah i really liked it and he got a cool scene with leia giving them a little bit of a pep talk that scene with leia is great i love it and i love that she brings up like i know what it's like to lose your planet and all that stuff that was good stuff and then we have ray right you said mm -hmm. it was the weakest of the stories for me, it was the weakest because it doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's it's when she's getting ready to go to Octo and they need parts for the ship or whatever, and they land on this place and she ends up doing like Jedi mind trick stuff. And it's like, bro, you don't know that crap yet. Stop it. <laughs> well, she did it to a stormtrooper before, right? Before yeah, but that. it was she, but it was still like very unsure. Like, can I do this? You know? It's like, and then in this comic, she's just doing it, and I'm just like, no. That wasn't my favorite part of the comic, and honestly, you're probably right. I think this would be my least favorite if I was just ranking these four stories. Uh, I did like the scene where she's describing what happened 
to Han. To, he's he, she's telling Leia what happened. Yeah, and, that I did like that beginning part. The part with the necropolis and the planets, and he's setting people up and all this stuff. And I'm gonna make you want to, you know, put yourself in prison. You will do this. No, but the first part was great. Yeah, so that one was okay. Um, but overall, the whole, all four of them, I thought were, you know, really good. And I, I like that it was the same writer and artist yes. throughout the four. So that helped. And it was so, consistent. And that's one of the things that I have an issue with is consistency in comics, which is what makes it harder for me. And But it wasn't hard because I was able to look at the same style of art throughout hmm. and the same kind of dialogue. And it was a lot easier. Right. Until the end, because now Until we're going to get into the, the special uh, issue that they collected into this volume, which has even shorter stories with three, three other characters. So we get Maz, we get Holdo, and we get BB-8 in this. So this is where they change, although I believe the Maz story is still Tom Taylor as the writer and the same artist that we got in the rest. I think the Holdo and BB-8 stories are different. But not I think it's funny different. that you say that you say Maz because it's Maz. Maz, Maz, Han, Han. Han. It's Star Wars. You can say it however you want. Leah, Leia. Right. So, <laughs> so yeah, Maz. We get a story with her and a younger Han Solo. So this isn't necessarily Resistance era. It doesn't look like. It. I mean, he looks pretty young. He doesn't have any gray hairs yet. But it was a. I liked it. It was a fun little story. Yeah, I uh, I skipped these. Oh, you didn't read these yet? Okay. No. Well, that's fine. I can. Just... I know they're there. Like I kind of like flip through them just to look at them, but I didn't really read them. Okay, so this one, um, it's just a little story where you know Maz is, has hired Han and Chewie to help her get something, and it it's just fun to see the back and forth. They do drop a little bit of. You know, kind of the whole Maz is into Chewbacca thing. And she talks about him not hurting his pretty face and stuff like that. That was fun. And there's a panel in uh, page 98. There's a panel of her perched on top of Chewbacca's shoulders. Um, and they're just shooting up the place. And it was very reminiscent of of uh, Rocket and Groot doing the same thing in Guardians of the Galaxy. So I think that was probably a purposeful kind of shout out because it looks too similar to not be oh my god now i want to read it i just hadn't i was focused on the ones of the main characters you know yeah yeah oh my gosh they did reveal at the end of that one well i don't maybe i won't spoil it for you i don't think it i don't think it actually matters Eh, go ahead it's fine they they do reveal at the end what she was trying to get so um and it was like this uh this like sith helmet that i believe ties into some of the other comics that have come out previously that we're way behind on, so we haven't read them yet. I believe it ties in uh-huh. uh, this helmet that she finds. I believe it ties in. So I could be wrong about that, but it looks very familiar. So cool. the next story is Holdo, totally different uh, art style, and it's a little bit of a preview of her like tactical abilities, and they actually have a little bit they, – they have a scene where she – uh, order. She has to take over the ship because the per- the captain dies, and she she orders the people to shoot at the star destroyer, 
and basically shoot into one of the hangars and weakens it. And then they fly their ship right through the, through the hangar and through the ship. And so I think it's kind of, you know, meant to be a little bit of a preview of like her, the Holdo maneuver, quote unquote, um, that she did in the last Jedi kind of like Mm -hmm. showing her tactical abilities and maybe that, that maneuver that she did in last Jedi wasn't something she just kind of came up with in the last second. Like it's something that she had actually done something very similar many years before. They also show her dyeing her hair. Uh, she starts out, the comic is blonde, and then she she dyes her hair purple um, using some kind of like carnivorous plant. That was kind of weird. But this is probably <laughs> my least favorite story out of all of them. But <laughs> so you'll have to you'll have to read that one. Okay. I want to read about carnivorous plant hair dyeing. So That's just, the point we have reached in the world today. Haircuts a, at home and carnivorous plants. <laughs> this is going to be a new segment of Star Wars Bookworms where Aaron describes describes comics to Teresa that she hasn't read yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last story is BB-8, which is basically a Poe BB-8 story, but BB-8 goes in. He's supposed to go into this this First Order base, and they're trying to get some plans and Poe is basically telling him to keep a low profile. Don't mess anything up. Don't do your crazy BB-8 thing. And BB-8 does his crazy BB-8 thing and rescues a bunch of droids and blows up the whole base. Nice. So pretty cool. He he rescues a bunch of very unique looking droids. Uh, one so unique looking that I had to put a screenshot of him up on Twitter. If you want to check out my Twitter, you can see which one okay. I'm talking about. But it basically looks like a Ewok is hiding inside of a droid. But yeah, so that one was fun too. <laughs> All right. So yeah, I thought yeah, actually check it out. I didn't know what we're you know this age of resistance. I haven't read a lot of the age of. I know they have other ones for the different eras, but I was very pleasantly surprised by these because sometimes when they you just have these short stories, they they they're not great. But I actually right. really for the most part liked all of these stories and you know maybe the holdo one and the ray one were probably the weakest but even those i thought there were good parts so i this was actually worth picking up and i think now that i've read this one and liked it so much i think i'm going to go pick up the other age of comics and check those out too well let me know if you do because we do share a comics account so, so you get them for free i can i get them for free <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Star Wars Bookworms. We hope you guys have enjoyed it and that you are enjoying the show and all of that fun stuff. If you want to talk to us in between shows, you can find us on Twitter. We're at SW Bookworms. You can also send us an email to StarWarsBookworms at gmail.com with your thoughts on any of the stuff that you have been reading, and we'll read it on the show. You can also find us on Facebook. We have a Facebook group. You can check that out as well. And you can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts or any of the podcatchers. And if you do, definitely leave us a review if you haven't done that yet. And we'd really appreciate it. You can find Teresa on Instagram, Twitter, and... And? What was the last one? You broke up. And? Oh. And? I don't know. I think it's just those two things. No, it's not. <laughs> Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. <laughs> TikTok. Tick, okay. Yes. Yep. All under at Ice Cold Penguin. 
Yep. And I'm I have at... fun. What? <laughs> I said I have fun. <laughs> well, you did do a uh, tribute to Empire Strikes Back today I on did. TikTok, so I sure did. There is some Star Wars content, but mine is at Av Goins. I'm on Twitter and Instagram, not on TikTok. Nope. And until next time, keep on reading and may the forest be with you.